Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We're Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. So we come to uh, Matthew chapter 6 on the pod today. And Jesus is going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, We've had kind of some repeated words and phrases in chapter 5 where he's been talking about the righteousness of the kingdom, uh, how his followers ought to conduct themselves in matters like anger, lust, divorce, uh, retaliation, loving your enemies. And now he's going to turn his attention to the temptation, I think that there is for everybody who follows Jesus um, or everyone who's religious, and that is to be an actor, to really be a hypocrite is what that word means. Yeah, and uh, this will be an important conversation for us to have because it wasn't just a problem in that day, but it's a problem now. People using religious things as a platform for their own pride and glory. And obviously that is not what the kingdom is about. It's about passing on the glory to God and making sure he's glorified, which is really what we talked about in one of the earlier podcasts where Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Mm -hmm. It's not about you, in other words. And so Jesus is going to give three examples in religious service today where people unfortunately use it for their own glory but it's veiled by the fact that it's a religious act. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'll go ahead and jump in today, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read for us verses 1 through 4 out of the New American Standard Bible. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So verse 1 really gives us the introduction to this whole section. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Jesus is going to warn against practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And this is a really important distinction because Jesus isn't saying, don't do these things. Um, He's not even saying, don't do these things where other people can see them. The thing that Jesus is addressing is the heart. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing righteous things? And there's a difference between doing something righteous and being seen by others and doing something righteous in order to be seen by others. And that's a really important distinction because you just mentioned chapter 5 where Jesus said um, in Matthew 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And some people try to point, oh, this is a contradiction. Which one is it, Jesus? Do, Do we let people see our good works or not let people see our good works? Well, the difference here is the motive. Mm -hmm. We do need to be righteous people in front of the world so that they will see something different in us. That's how we're being a light. But here Jesus is warning against the temptation that comes with being a light is to let our motive change. And now we're not doing it so that people will glorify God, 
but so that people will glorify us. And that's what he says. If, if you're doing it to be seen by them, then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Mm-hmm. He's going to end each of these three things with talking about the reward. and that, But you already have your reward. Uh, what we're doing is we're living for an audience of one. We are only concerned with what God thinks about our actions and not what other people think about. It. Yeah, that was very well said. It's the desire to be seen by men is what is concerning Jesus here. Um, and so, and really, when we get to the root of it, what's the problem? The problem is pride at its core. That's, mm-hmm. that's really what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And there might be a mul- multiple reasons why it's tempting to want to use particular religious things for our own glory. It might be because we, we want the credit. You know, if we put in the time and energy it takes to, to give to the poor or to pray or fast, as we're going to talk about later, we want the payout. We want the the credit for having done this great thing because we put time into it. We might just want to look good in front of other people. It might be a desire to shape someone's opinion about ourselves. And so we use what God has given us as kind of a stepping stool to that. Well, they'll think highly of me if they just know how much I'm really giving to the poor. They'll think the certain way. Um, there's another example in Luke 18 about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Mm-hmm. Um, in Luke 18, 9 through 14, where it really shows that the, the Pharisee was just trying to justify himself. Mm-hmm. And so we might use these things in order to, to justify ourselves in our own minds, in our in our own conscience. Yeah, and that's actually really fascinating. You bring that up in Luke 18, uh, 11 and 12, because you see all three things that are mentioned here that Jesus warns against. Mm-hmm. The Pharisee is praying publicly. He boasts about how much he gives to the poor, and that he fasts twice a week. Yeah, the three things that Jesus is about to address—giving yeah. to the poor, prayer, and fasting—are the mm-hmm. three things. And again, this is sobering because what three things are there that seem to indicate humility more than giving things to the needy, praying to God, and fasting along with that prayer? I mean, these are three of the most devout religious practices there are. And Jesus is saying, when you do these really devout, humbling things, watch out for pride. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy to think about. Uh, Satan wants to take every good thing that God wants us to do and turn it into an opportunity for sin. And well, so we got to watch our hearts. And it's wild because, like, like Stephen's saying, you can be doing. You might, you might be having a week where you're like, "Wow, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty good with my purity." You know, I, I'm. I've, I've, I've taken into consideration what Jesus said earlier in chapter 5. I'm not looking at a woman to lust after her, doing good in that category. And then you go to church a little bit later in the week, and you're asked to lead a prayer. And there's that temptation to you know build yourself up, puff yourself up by this ability to, to lead in a prayer. And it's like, if Satan didn't get you here, he's going to try and get you over here in religious service. And we got to guard against that. We have to be careful. I also say this one other reason why I think it can be so tempting to use these things for our own platform is for some people they've just been starved of starved of attention, and they're not receiving encouragement or um, you know praise from anyone else, and so at the moment they have an opportunity to put themselves up on a pedestal, they seize on it because they're also starved of, of attention. And they're not turning to the Lord for that attention, but they're turning to themselves. So mm-hmm. I just like to throw that out there because I know that can be true for some people. Yeah. So let's turn our attention to this first section that Chase just read a minute ago. Jesus says in verse two, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets 
that they may be praised by others. That's, that's actually a little bit humorous, isn't it, to think it about? Yeah, exactly. Everyone look, I'm about to give to the needy. Please notice my charitable act of giving. Yeah, and when Jesus says this, I would imagine there would have been some chuckles there. Because, you know, Jesus isn't giving a specific thing that they're actually doing. But yeah, it's maybe figurative. Right, but it's a, it's a personification, if that's the right word, or hyperbole or whatever, of mm-hmm. something that is a real issue. Yeah, And it's funny because it's so true. Um, they might not be literally blowing a trumpet, but maybe in the way they talk, there's a, a sense of false humility here that mm-hmm. Jesus means. And I mean, what do we do today? I mean, we want to sound a trumpet, but I think we have to be careful about social media. Yeah. <laughs> and like, why are we really posting about what we're doing? Maybe we want to raise awareness and let other people give. That's good. And again, it comes down to the motive. It's not wrong to mm-hmm. let people see. There's times where it's a wonderful thing to do good for the needy in front of other people. But we have to just be so careful because Jesus says, if you do it to be praised by others, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Mm -hmm. But I like that in each of these things, Jesus is going to say, here's the don't, here's the do. It's not just a negative, but it's a positive. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I, so I like that. It's almost like, I mean, again, this is kind of some imagery. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's like that's kind of physically impossible. They're both connected to the same brain. But he's he's letting it say, he's trying to say, don't just hide it from others, but almost like hide it from yourself. You know, don't talk to yourself in your own head about how good what you're doing is. Mm-hmm. Like don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Um, and so I think it's kind of an interesting way of thinking about it is like, because we all do that, right? It's right. like we do, we're going to do something good. And then we kind of like have like the inner pep talk, like yeah. the the pat on the back. Like, yeah, this is really good. And again, it's not wrong to feel good right. for doing what's right. We just have to be careful not to kind of congratulate ourselves on our own righteousness and say like, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really good. Yeah. Um, that yeah. is... Um, yeah, it just these are hard heart issues that Jesus is addressing. And I will say, there are examples of this in the negative in scriptures. I'm specifically thinking about Ananias and Sapphira, two New Testament characters in Acts chapter 5, who were trying to give the appearance that they were giving more to the needy than they actually were. And they actually end up getting struck dead for this. But at its root, they were using a giving to the poor to you know, build themselves up and puff themselves up and it did not end well for them at all. Um, They're violating exactly what Jesus is talking about here. And we we don't need to use these things for our own pride. That's right. And let me just say uh, one other note here in verse two, the word hypocrite is a word that we throw around a lot. Jesus is going to use it in all three of these sections, but it's a word that it literally means an actor. Like it's a, it's a stage term in a sense. Um, and that's really what Jesus is addressing here. He's saying, you're doing good things, but you're just doing it as an act. You're not really thinking about the poor when you're giving to them. You're thinking about the audience. Mm-hmm. You're looking out there and saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this thing on stage, but that's not who I really am right. on the inside. I'm pretending to do this pious religious thing, but really I'm just wanting the applause. Right. And Jesus is saying, if that's all you're doing, you're just on a stage to get the applause, that's all you get. Mm-hmm. God's not going to applaud you. He sees your heart and he knows your motive. 
So this is a sobering thing to think about as we yeah. approach giving to the poor. And, I mean, there's several practical ways we can think about this, but one of the biggest things I'll, I'll put for me and Stephen and anyone who's listening is ask yourself, how can I give subtly? Whenever an opportunity presents itself to, to be a generous person, how can you do that in a way that others don't know about it? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a good first step. Sometimes you got to get a little creative with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure others could tell me things they've done to get creative, but then they would be talking about the very thing that they did. <laughs> Let me tell you how secretive I've been. But it really it, pro- it provides an extra step of caution that guards against the very thing Jesus is talking about here if we have a mindset of, how can I do this without blowing the trumpet before me? That's right. And uh, I think Stephen hit it r- right on the head. Um, social media is one of the biggest platforms, I think, today where you see this the most. And so mm-hmm. if it means you need to step off of social media for a while after you've done a nice thing, so you're not tempted to post about it or talk about it, do that. Step out. You know, Do what you got to do to guard against this. Yeah. Jesus gets right to the heart. Well, this leads right into our next section. Uh, let's continue in Matthew 6, uh, verse, verses 5 and following, where Jesus is going to address prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, so Jesus shifts the attention, obviously, to prayer here. He uses that word hypocrite again, as Stephen described for us. Don't be like the actors. Right. And he says, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. That's where they're doing their praying at. And so their praying is no longer about God. (laughs) It's really just about their appearance before other people. And this obviously connects with the last one. It's one thing to be giving to the poor to be seen by men. It's another thing to be using a communication tool from God to sound good in front of other people. It's almost like they're using prayer like an instrument. You know, I can play prayer really well. Do you hear it? Mm-hmm. And that is just obviously a, a gross misapplication of what prayer is really for. Um, and so Jesus gives the necessary correction here. Right. He gives two corrections here. Um, one is just the place of prayer. Yes. Um, he says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you play, pray in a secret place. Your father's going to see and he'll reward you. But don't pray to be seen. And, and it's important that, I mean, sometimes we're going to pray in public that's appropriate. But if we don't have a private prayer life, that's a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Like if the only time we're praying is when other people hear, we really need to have a heart check because there needs to be a lot of prayer going on in secret. I mean, even Jesus would do that. He would withdraw by himself 
without his disciples to go up on the mountain to pray. And sometimes his disciples were looking for him. Like, where'd Jesus go? Oh, he's probably out praying again. And so he, it's not for show. Um, it can't be. And I, I like kind of the contrast he gives in verse four. He talks about doing this in secret, the, the giving of alms, because he says, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He does the same thing in verse six with prayer. Your father who is in secret will know what you've done and mm-hmm. will reward you. And then he'll do the same thing with fasting uh, down in verse 18. That's right. But the whole point is, if God is in secret and that's all you need to accomplish these things, then it's just between the two of you. You don't need to go out and tell others. It's right. just between you two. You don't need other people to do this. And I actually think that's a really cool thing about prayer. You don't need others to do that. You can do that anytime, anywhere. That's a blessing. Yes, we have access to God at all times through Jesus, which is just amazing. Um, his other correction is not just the place of prayer, but the kind of prayer that we're offering. And really the brevity of prayer is one thing he emphasizes. Uh, don't heap up empty phrases is the way the ESV that I'm reading puts it in verse 7. The Gentiles think that they'll be heard for their many words. Oh, I'm going to impress the gods. Uh, you know, that these idolatrous Gentiles are thinking, oh, if I, if I say big, loud prayers and right. keep going along, the longer I go, the better chance I have to be heard. That's what's going to get my prayer through to the gods. And Jesus says, listen, don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Right. It's not that you have to somehow impress him or badger him to get through to his ear. He already knows what you need. And so you asking is really more for your benefit than for his. And so don't multiply words thinking that that's the thing that's going to make my prayer really effective. Yes. God already knows. And uh, I've heard it described this way before that some, some sometimes treat prayer like a vending machine. Mm -hmm. If, if I just insert the right thing at the right number of times, then I get the thing that I want. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, that's not how prayer works at all. God already knows what you need. And I think the Pharisees had forgotten this. And that's why they're, they're praying in the way mine says it, with meaningless repetition. They just they don't understand the true purpose of prayer anyway. So don't don't forget that God already knows what you need. But that doesn't mean you, you stop praying altogether. We still need to communicate with our Father. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then the, the third correction, I mean... Is it, okay, listen, here's how you can pray. Here's here's a model prayer for you so that you can get an idea of here's what godly prayer looks like. Because this could be, in some ways, life-changing to them. Because the whole way they knew how to pray, Jesus is just torn down. And so they could be left going, well, how am I supposed to pray to God? So I think it's really cool that Jesus goes into detail on, well, here's exactly how to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, I don't think this is supposed to become a formula. It's a model. That like we can only literally pray these words. It's of course entirely appropriate to pray these words. But it's a model prayer that we can base our prayers off of. Mm-hmm. And again, we could do a whole podcast just on the prayer. We might come back and do that sometime. We're not going to try to do a deep dive into each line of this. But just to see, okay, this if this is the model prayer, how does God want us to be yeah. praying? Yeah, and so um, in verse 9, pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, I, I've, I know some translations say there, your name be honored as holy mm-hmm. is what it will say there. And if we can just give a, a general outline of what prayers to God look like, it's always good to start off as praising God as holy. Mm-hmm. Holy meaning set apart, right? He, he's, he is the only God. He is the only one we can go to 
to ask for things or to to go to for help. Mm-hmm. And and we're addressing him as our father. Right. It's a really powerful thing to think about that we're coming to God not just as a distant deity who's all powerful, but doesn't really know or care how I'm doing. We're talking to our father, mm-hmm. but not just an earthly father, our father in heaven. And so these are all very relevant ways to pray to God. Mm-hmm. It's very different when we're thinking about talking to a father. There's already care there. There's already uh, an ability to help there that we can feel when we talk to an earthly father. And so it it's powerful to think about God in that light. And I really think the hallowed be your name, it, it kind of goes with the next two things. Uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Those three phrases kind of go together mm-hmm. in that they're all saying, God, we want your things to be done and exalted. Yeah. Your name be made holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right. We want God's will to be accomplished in our lives and on the on the earth. And I think that's a good general rule of things to be praying for. Mm-hmm. Always, at all times. That's right. Uh, sometimes there's a some nuance to the phrase, your kingdom come, that comes up. Uh, and again, we could do a whole study on the kingdom. Uh, see, our, one of our Acts post shows was about that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But... Uh, I think that we can still pray this this phrase, your kingdom come. Yes, the kingdom in a sense has come uh, in the book of Acts. And we see passages like Colossians 1 talking about you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. The kingdom is now. So we can say, Lord, thank you that your kingdom has come. But I think there's still a sense in the New Testament in which the kingdom is still coming Mm -hmm. uh, in its fullness. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about when Christ will hand over the kingdom to the Father. And so there is a fullness of the kingdom that is still future. And so we can pray, Lord, we want your kingdom to come. And really, I love how closely related your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven go together. Mm -hmm. God's kingdom comes when the people created in his image submit to the king. God's kingdom, the borders are in the hearts of people. Right. As I say to God, King Jesus, your will be done. Okay. The kingdom just came a little more in the world. And in a sense, we're living in the heavenlies. That's kind of what Ephesians talks about with that. Um, So there's a lot of deep dive stuff we could do on on this whole whole thing. It's pretty cool. Um, Just looking at verse 11, this is probably out of the entire Lord's Prayer. This is probably one of the more popular things that's known. Give us this day our daily bread. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple different ways to look at that. Obviously, first and foremost here, I think we are to see God as our provider, Mm -hmm. the one who feeds us. And as we think of daily bread, if you're a Jew who's hearing this, what's naturally going to come to your mind? I think the manna in the wilderness is what would come to my mind. Mm -hmm. There were very specific rules. Exactly. It was the daily bread that God gave, rained out of heaven to his people while they were surviving through the wilderness. And guess what? We're in a wilderness right now. As it was, we are longing for our promised land. We have a wilderness as well, and they were and they were only allowed daily bread, exactly, except for Friday. You know, gathering for Sabbath coming sure. up. But uh, God wanted them to realize their daily dependence, and thus He gave them the rule: like only gather enough for today. Yes, absolutely. And so I think there, there's definitely a physical sense in which we need to pray and thank God for the meals and the bread He gives us, and, and ask for that. And I think this is a point that gets missed in 
our society here in America. Because I've got a pantry and refrigerator full of not daily bread, but days of bread. Yeah, weeks <laughs> and months. Yeah, of bread. exactly. Yeah. And so I think this sometimes gets missed, but put yourself in the shoes of maybe some brothers and sisters in Christ who are in foreign countries and different areas where they legitimately are praying for daily bread. They, they or, don't, or they don't have in, a stockpile. Or even in this country. Or, yeah, or, or even or, in this country. Yeah. I don't want to overlook that. And so definitely a physical component to this as well, as yeah. well as I think spiritual. That's right. And it is interesting to me that this is the one kind of directly physical request in this prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, almost everything in this prayer is about spiritual things, which certainly affect our mm -hmm. physical life here. But um, he's not just praying for the sick and the needy and the traveling. And like, he's praying, give us what we need every day. And there's a passage I really like in Proverbs 30 to tie in with this. Um, in Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9, it says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. That's the first thing. And the second thing, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That's a great prayer to think about. Like, Lord, I just want exactly what I need. Not too little which is what we mostly think about, but also not too much. I don't want to get a big head and think that I'm the one that I'm depending on for this or I've earned it. We are so dependent on God and that's why we need to pray just for our daily bread. Lord, give me enough for just one more day and I'll be content. Beautiful prayer. Um, going on into verse 12, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Just a general ask for, for forgiveness on our part and aiding us as we forgive others. And man, I need a lot of forgiveness and mercy. And this also goes back to the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And there's a dependency there. Can you imagine for just a minute, what if God only forgave me in the way that I forgive others? Because sometimes I forgive others, but ah, it's kind of on probation, you know, like right. that really hurt me and I, I don't know. And well, he's saying here, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. And Jesus actually, he's going to zero in on this after the prayer um, in verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Mm -hmm. And that's... I don't, there, there are a few passages more sobering than that. Forgiveness is not optional if you want to be with the Lord forever. Um, you will not be forgiven on Judgment Day if you do not forgive others. That is a, a sobering thing to think about. And so we pray to God. It's built into the prayer. Lord, help me to forgive others because I realize that your forgiveness to, toward me is dependent on my forgiveness of others. If I will not forgive God will not forgive me. The other contrast I really like here as we think about asking God to forgive us of our sins and things like that is what comes right after that in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mm -hmm. It's a continued ask of, I don't want to keep struggling. I, I want to do better and I want your help as I fight against the devil. I think that's really cool that those two things are connected. Whenever we go to ask God for forgiveness, that's an appropriate thing to do. We need to ask him for, to forgive us of our sins. 
But then we need to go out and fight against the devil. Mm-hmm. We got to do what we need to do to, to cut off the right hand, left hand, as we talked about, and ask God to aid us as we do that. And so I like seeing those things back to back. You know, I never noticed that before. That's a really good point. That was like, forgive me my debt and please help me not to rack up more debt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of the idea. Um, well, I really like the deliver us from evil. Uh, some translations say deliver us from the evil one, mm-hmm. Satan, either way. Um but that Satan is after us, and so much of this prayer is trying to get, it's recentering our minds on the spiritual world around us. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, hallowed be your name. Uh, keep us from the evil one who is active in the world. He's prowling like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And praying this prayer, it, it just kind of recenters because, like, if I'm caught up in the rat race of getting more stuff and doing this and that, he's like, no, no, just daily bread and help me to focus on kingdom stuff and not all the stuff that's easy to get caught up in. Yes. And so as, as we kind of zoom out on this, in our prayers, a good model, praise God as, as a holy God. Look at him as our provider and look at him as, as someone we want his will to be accomplished in on earth also as it is in heaven. Ask for forgiveness um, from God and ask him to help us as we go to forgive others and then ask for help as we fight against the devil. That's a pretty good prayer. Like it's yeah. a good model for prayer. And I think that's that's the key here, by the way. It's not these specific phrases, but those general themes right. are good to have in prayer. You could do a whole prayer on each one of those Absolutely. themes. And so um, I think it is a good habit for us to get into, to, to pray exactly the words of the Lord's Prayer here as well as getting more specific to these uh, different things that he outlines for us. Yeah, and this section on prayer really gives way to the the third and final part of this section on fasting. You always see fasting and prayer together. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're rarely mentioned, or at least fasting is rarely mentioned outside of praying. In verse uh, 16 through 18, when you and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So again, I think there's a little bit of humor going on here. As Jesus talks about a a hypocrite who has this gloomy face on, because they've been fasting and you can just kind of picture how this conversation would go. You know, I, I walk in and I've not really kept up with my appearance. Why and the my hair's face, missed. Chase? What's going on? Well, Stephen, I've been fasting lately. Oh. Yeah. And it's on a two day fast right now and just really trying to focus all my attention on God right now. Wow. That you're so holy. Yeah, I That's know. Impressive. Well, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe they, maybe they wouldn't be that outright, you know, but, but the point is here, Jesus says, look, stop doing that. Um, what you actually need to do is wash your face, clean up a little bit, so people actually have no idea that you're fasting altogether. And uh, I really like that necessary Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Very similar to that, yes. And I just think fasting is something we don't talk about a no. lot in I guess, what modern Western Christianity. It's not a practice that is uh, very culturally popular. Um it, Again, it is in the dietary and health way. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's more popular from that side, but biblical fasting always had a spiritual component to it. That's right. This is not just a like, oh, like, 
you know, um, this is good for you. Do this. It's like, no, fasting, something that was pointed out to me is that one purpose of fasting, there would be so much time needed for food prep mm -hmm. in their day. Of course, we got refrigerators and microwaves. and um, But that the time you would free up by fasting, you could then devote to prayer. Yeah. Um, now, that's not the only reason, of course. Uh, there's also, you're afflicting yourself mm -hmm. and reminding yourself of your need for God. Every time you feel that hunger pang, mm -hmm. you're like, I... I need hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, I need I need the Lord more than I need yeah. my daily bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Fasting was all, also often associated with mourning and, and distress in someone's life. And so you see David fasting uh, whenever his child is very, very sick in 2 Samuel. You'll see him fasting there um, for, his, for the sake of his child. You see Nehemiah fasting whenever he finds out that uh, Jerusalem's gates and, and walls have been burned down. Uh, you'll see him immediately go into fasting and praying. And so when hard things hit, that's a lot of, lot of the case in the Bible, when you see people fasting as well as praying. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a way to humble yourself before God. And so I think it's, it's a good thing for a Christian to be in the habit of. Um, but there is no specific command of a pattern of this that we see in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying at all that it's not necessary. I think there are some cases where it could be necessary. In fact, we just got done with the book of Acts, and as they were appointing elders, one of the things we see them is fasting about that process. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, prayer would go hand in hand with that as well. It's actually funny that this section falls on today, because I was just seeing online um, that there's a, there's a group, uh, a Facebook group, of people who are fasting and praying today, uh, just for the country, for everything that's going on right now, uh, praying for peace. And that's entirely appropriate for Christians to do. Again, there's not like a, a black and white command in the New Testament uh, about this, but it is interesting that Jesus just kind of assumes this. He says, and when you fast, not if you fast, uh, he's just, it's kind of assumed you're going to be given to the poor, you're going to be praying, and you're going to be fasting at some point. And uh, again, there's not a lot of specific direction given in the New Testament about this, but it's something that we see the Christians doing as a spiritual discipline to help them draw closer to God. And again, all three of these things, prayer, fasting, giving to the needy, are just some of the most humbling, focused spiritual things you can do. But in each one of them, there's this danger that Jesus says, don't be doing this to be seen by other people, because then... You've just become an actor on the stage waiting for the applause of people, and that's all the applause you're going to get. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Someone pointed this out to me once, that this was a problem in the Old Testament as well. In Zechariah chapter 7, in verse 5, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the peoples of the land and to the priest, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, these 70 years, was it actually for me that you fasted? Mm -hmm. um, very interesting that this was a problem even in the Old Testament and it's manifesting itself here. So don't be shocked that people still struggle with this today as well. Yeah, so uh, hopefully um, in future podcasts, uh, we'll be getting into the last part of chapter six. Jesus talks about uh, possessions and anxiety, uh, which very much go together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, again, man, every time I read through the Sermon on the Mount, it, it just hits me. Um, how relevant this is, how challenging, how helpful. Yeah. And so next week, we'll, we'll kind of get into this choice that we have. Um, I love Jesus as a, in a lot of ways. His teaching is one option or the other, mm -hmm. right? So choose your decision. master, right, is going to be what we talk about, Lord willing, next week. What, what do we really serve at the root of the problem? Who are we serving? That's right. 
If you guys are enjoying what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we'd love to talk with you more about these things. Uh, you can reach out to us, 717-585-0949, or an email at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information or about, more information about online Bible studies, check out capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.